and welcome to the second of three very special podcasts coming up this week to review the 2021-22 season for Whitby Town. I'm Paul Connolly and for episode two I'm joined this evening as we talk by Nathan Haslam and Lee Bullock, the Whitby Town joint managers. How are we doing, gents? All good, thanks, Paul. Yeah, very well, thanks. You? Yeah, not too bad at all, not too bad at all and uh, good to have you both on and chatting to us this evening. We've had a few questions in, which we'll get to later on, but we'll dive straight into things. Um, and we'll go all the way back to pre-season, obviously reviewing the 21-22 season. Um, so back to pre-season then, gents. Um, looking at things, obviously, we started the pre-season with uh, a hell of a lot of games scheduled, including the, uh, the Whitby Town Challenge Cup and then a pretty much full schedule of uh, fixtures. Yeah, looking back on that, I think... That was a that was a mistake. It was we had far too many games arranged. The squad couldn't cope with it. We had to cancel a few through COVID and injuries. But I think reason was because the season before being cancelled, we were also excited to get back playing and get people in the ground. That we got a bit carried away. So we'll learn from that and and probably don't expect anywhere near as many this season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with Bully on that. I think um, we had a we had a COVID outbreak. I think at, at, you know towards the back end of that as well, uh, which a lot of teams were contending with. Um, but on the face of it, I mean, when you when you look at it, um, I think I think most teams arrange lots of games. To be honest with you, uh, with the lads not playing, obviously as, as much as we'd like, obviously through COVID and things, and you know for for ourselves, let's let's be honest, we we had a nice fast start. Uh, to the season, um, so elements of it worked for us, but ultimately, like like Lee's just said, physically the demands on the lads in such a short period of time, it was, you know, we, we definitely won't be uh, doing doing that kind of pre-season again. I mean, looking at it on the on the face of things, there obviously a very long pre-season when you look at the games and the number of games in there. But I mean, the both of you only had a limited chance to sort of see the players in action. From the uh, from the time that you both took over when Chris Hardy left, so was there a little bit of thinking in that as well that you can maybe get a little bit more of an in depth look at the players going into a new season? Um, I think no, personally, I'd say no. I'd known them for years and years. I just think because of what had gone on with this pandemic, we were we'd all missed our football so much. We were we were desperate to get it back on, and it was almost like anyone asked for a game, and yeah, definitely was a player. We're desperate to play. It was just. Yeah. A little bit of excitement and naivety to wanting to get back playing football. Oh, fair enough. Um, and then in terms of that sort of pre-season then, obviously you'd sort of built a squad with Chris Hardy prior to that and then added a few in across the way this time around. It was, um, I think it was five that you brought in at that point. There was Jack Hackett, Nathan Dyer, Priestley Griffiths, Sonny Fergus came in for pre-season then went back out on loan to Pickering. And then uh, Josh McDonald as well. So, I mean, at that point, you must have been very happy with the recruitment because there was some quality in there. No, I would, I would agree with that. I think um, looking at it, we were, you know, I think the recruitment was positive. We were backed by, obviously, the, the board uh, with the recruitment. Um, and, I, you know, I think Josh came in very, very late in the day. Priestley did also. Hack, Hackett did as well. Um, and we had a few lads, obviously, who came in on trial for us, but we, we were rushing into things. We, we kind of had our eyes on certain players and, and luckily enough, they came in at the back end of pre-season. So it, it, it was more a case of not really panicking. We had the nucleus of, a, of an already strong squad 
uh, from the previous season, albeit you know a curtailed season. We were happy with that. Again, going back to obviously the recruitment with uh, with Chris. But no, I think I think come the end of it, you know, we were we were very positive moving on into the season. And Bully, you mentioned uh, very quickly there about that strong start to the season after a, a pre-season. It might be you, Nath, sorry. Um, but I mean, you look at the league start in particular. Um, the first nine games of the season, Whitby only lost one. Uh, I think it was one game in that time. So, I mean, it was a long pre-season and it maybe did take its toll on people. But I mean, for that start, you can't fault it. No, no, we couldn't no. ask for a better start, and that's what you want, don't you? Get out the blocks early, but it, it's all ifs and buts and hindsight. The, the group of lads we had, they were capable of doing that, so we'll never know because we don't have the ability to check information like that, how tired the lads are getting over the season. So just looking back at it, you think, yeah, there were probably were. 100% match fit come game one, but like I say, I think later in the season, it was such a long slog, it wore them down. I'd agree with what Bully's just said there. I think I think the defining point of our good start was was the opening day over at Lancaster. Um, you know, we travelled across there on a really hot day. Um, we turned up and the pitch was bright yellow. It was it was really, really bad condition and it was it was more a case of getting to the lads' heads about you know we we need to get our mentality right here because it was a bit of a laughing uh, it was a joke amongst the lads in regards to the pitch. The Lancaster lads were very critical of it as well. Um, but that's a hard place to go and and you know we started the game really brightly. Marcus scored a a, a brilliant goal and um, they went down to ten men quite early and you know from that point you think obviously we're we're in the driving seat. But Lancaster threw absolutely everything at us with their physicality, the height, directness. And, and the lads stood up and they were counted and they defended like Trojans on the day. And it was a one-niller. Um, it was a great win. Um, and that's what you want. You want a great start to the season. Obviously, start the season with a win. Uh, and I think that just gives us a bit of a momentum, uh, a bit of belief in the lads that we can, we can go anywhere, we can pull a result out. And, and we, we took that on into the, uh, well, obviously, the next nine games, really. We, you know, aside from the, the Gainsborough game. Um, lots of clean sheets and, and real solid performances. So you sort of you look at that uh, start to the season there. It was three clean sheets on the bounce for the first three games, um, and then went to Ashton as well, which was a three-one win. So you'd only conceded one goal in those first four games of the season and picked up ten points. I mean, in respect of that, you can't ask for a better start almost, barring winning the uh, Radcliffe game. That was that was if you look at it. It's- that was how the season went. We think sheets were evident throughout from day one, just set standard right through the end. Obviously, we will discuss later where we've potentially missed out, and that was at the other end of the pitch. So from the centre forwards all the way through the goalkeepers, the, the, the defended unbelievable all season. So like I said, early doors just set the standard and carried it on, which was excellent and what we wanted. And then we mentioned that Gainsborough Trinity game then. Um, and, and looking at that game, there was a number of changes for it. Um, a few players dropped to the bench and there was a game on the Monday as well. Do you feel that maybe in, in that instance that you, you maybe made too many changes for that game when things were going well? We, we felt confident in the squad at the time. I remember me and Lee speaking about extensively on the bus. Um, and we were really confident in the players and... You know, it was a bit of squad rotation. It felt so right doing it. Um, but obviously, at the end of it, we lost 1-0. It was a real drab performance. And then, yeah, you ask questions, did we do the right thing? And at the time, 
Um, you know, we both said to each other, we made a mistake there. But then again, you look at it and it's all lifts and butts and, and in hindsight, but pretty much those same group of lads went over to Matlock, who were top of the league, and uh, they got a 3-2 win and it was a very, very dominant performance. So, yeah, I mean, at the time, we, we generally thought we got it wrong. We may have got it wrong. The result kind of says that, but again, we had confidence in the lads to... Um, we showed trust in them to, to, for them to go out and perform. And I think you need to do that as managers. You can't run with the same 11 all the time. But they the proved over the season, the lads who came in that day, they've they performed in, in games where they've really, really stepped up. So, um, again, all ifs, maybes, but we made the decision and, and ultimately it's a place we've never done well at. Um, and we lost one now. Yeah, I agree. Gainsborough gives me nightmares. The Chardy 5-0 debacle, was it, when he... That was it. He'd had enough to yeah. one nil defeat, and then allowing him to beat his last game of the season. It's until we can manage to beat Gainsborough, I don't think I'll be happy because they, they drive me mad. That's the uh, that's the outright goal, then, bully. Is it beat uh, beat Gainsborough in your time at the football club? <laughs> yeah, once you beat Gainsborough, I'll be happy and put a few demons to rest. <laughs> No, fair enough. I uh, yeah, I still have nightmares myself about that five-one defeat there in uh, Chris Hardy's last game. Um, but yeah, that that starts the season then in the league going very well, barring that Gainsborough defeat, and that was backed up in the FA Cup as well. Obviously, going to Warrington Rylands in that time and Prescott Cables. And uh, we'll talk about Warrington Rylands first off the bat. I mean, that afternoon there, it was it was one of those where Whitby travelled in numbers like they always do for the FA Cup, and it was a slightly cagey first half, but in the second half, Whitby did let some quality show. So the FA Cup, it's meant to be, supporters love it, it's meant to be enjoyable. I think at this level, especially now for myself and Nath, it, it brings nothing but pressure. The, the whole build-up is we must win just for the money. So there's no, there's no enjoyment for me in the FA Cup. It's brilliant when you win. It's just like, how much is the next round worth? So I think some of that caginess always comes off on the players because they know it's they know what it's worth to the football club and 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 all out if you are to lose at a lesser team, which let's be honest, we've done a good few years in the past. So winning early FA Cup games for me is more of a like, thank God we've won more than enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, looking looking back at the game of Rylands, I mean, Bully talks about the financial pressures there, um, but that was a team who we we lost the previous season to um, under Chris, obviously on penalties. Um, well invested club, obviously want to go places, and for us, we, we didn't want to go there and obviously lose the game to a team obviously in a lower division. Uh, but it was very very possible. It was a banana skin, as I said, the the well invested. And, you know, it, it was a cagey start. It was no little half-time. I remember being in the changing rooms and, you know, there were some stern words. It was, you know, we needed more out of the lads and we needed to we needed to up a gear. And, and to be fair, I think it only took two or three minutes in the second half. Uh, Joshy Mack won, won the penalty. And I think from that point, we, we kind of steamrolled them. We were in total control and we, we absolutely killed them. And obviously, a decent goal by Hayes. So it, it was one of those. We, it was it was more relief, I think, at the end of the Rylands game for us because it was a definite banana skin. Um, but the second half performance showed exactly what we were about. 
but then again, the first half performance, you know, was just a glimpse of, of performances that we've put through the season as well. So, uh, but no, all in all, we were obviously really happy with the win. Yeah, good to get those sort of games out of way, out of the way, isn't it? And I mean, especially as you mentioned there, losing in the in the previous year, it's it's something that you know it sort of motivates you on to go and do it again because you you don't want to be in that position that you know so many Whitby teams have been in in the last sort of seven or eight years. Definitely, like I say, we people, the fans, the supporters look forward to it so much. The board look forward to it financial side of it and potentially where can take you so for us we, you've just got to get through it the players you've got to get the players right on the pitch to go out and, and win the game and that's all the concentration is for us and then once they've won a couple as we've seen they can they can start to enjoy the, the performances and, and the teams and ties it brings but early doors it's it's more stressful than enjoyment let me tell you I can I can imagine from a sports point of view and, and a media point of view, it's it's very stressful as well, Bully, believe me. Um, we'll talk about the second qualifying round in just a moment, Prescott there. But um, looking at the games in between, obviously Whitby going to Mickelover and winning. But uh, the one that stood out for me in that sort of run was going to Atherton, who in the first half there, they, they seemed to kill Whitby down the wings in the second half. I mean, for me, if you want to pick a performance of the season... Johnny Byrne at centre-half that night was absolutely outstanding. I remember it well. I remember it well because um, it's the first time I've been to Atherton and, and you could tell that was a very hard place to go down what is a, a big hill. Um, they were kicking downhill second half and it was like the Alamo. It was just long ball after long ball into the box. They actually changed the way they played uh, from the first half. They tried to shift it around a little bit and, and uh, Johnny, like I say, I don't know, I think it was the first game he actually come in uh, for us. He was outstanding. He was a man mounted. Um, and he, you know, he was a massive part of, of, of why we managed to win that game. But defensively, it showed the qualities, I think, of, of, of some of the lads that you wouldn't associate with uh, really getting stuck in because that's where it turned out to be a battle. Um, but yeah, we hung on that night. And um, yeah, I knew, I knew after the game, a lot of clubs would struggle to go left and obviously pick up the result. Um, it took a obviously a, a great free kick from Liam, uh, which we'd been urging him to do. Um, obviously, at the post and Hayes being Hayes was there at the back and put it in. So that was a massive, massive three points for us, and and the clean sheet was was certainly well deserved. I think it was more as well. It was suddenly again these defensive displays. We were starting to get confidence in our defensive displays. If all eleven were at it, knowing fine well that. We will create chances, so it enables us to go to tough venues and tough teams away from home, especially, and know that we'll always be in the game. and And that confidence grew and grew as the season continued. So I mean, it just comes from hard work, doesn't it? Like you said, people throwing the body on the line and a Tuesday night, they've all been to work all day, trek across the M62, and and when you see them willing to do that, you think, yeah, this group will be all right. Yeah, and that was obviously backed up by a home win against Hyde United on the following Saturday. And Liam Cook, that you mentioned there, getting the goal in that game. Um, and then following the Hyde match, obviously we've we've had the Prescott game chucked in. So we'll talk a little bit about Prescott too. Um, and that game down there, again, it was it was a first half where it didn't really particularly all go for Whitby, but obviously Josh McDonald scoring before half time gave them a little bit of a boost. Um, for me, the Prescott one was slightly more comfortable with it. Should have been blown out of sight. That was 
the defensive side was excellent again. That was our our flaws of of not our chances away and the dominance when laid on. So that one wasn't too bad. You could see we were levels above them for me that day. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I think the uh, the introduction of Fuse to just give us that clinical edge. I think uh, he come on. I think he he scored two, didn't he, within the space of ten minutes, and it, it totally killed the game off. But as Bully was just saying there in the first half, it was only 1-0, but the amount of chances we missed. Gilesy, obviously, with a the penalty, there was balls rolling across the line. Um, and we were scratching our heads out, how we not scored more and put this game to bed. So, uh, But to be fair, you, you mentioned the hard game there, Paul. We, we won the game 1-0. That was, that was a, if I remember rightly, that was a day when their keeper, call it bad finishing buyers or a brilliant keeper display, but it should have been a hell of a lot more than one. Uh, and I always remember at the the towards the end of the game, I think it might have been Liam Hardy. I don't know if he was playing for at the time, but you know he had a he had a clean clean header which he put off target. And they could have very easily uh, got a draw at that game, and you know they should have been well out of sight. Yeah, I think it was Liam Hardy because I think three or four days later, um, I was talking to him at Catrick Races, and he he pretty much said exactly what you said there that Whitby should have been out of sight, but at the same time. He should have probably levelled matters himself. Um, he was in he was in good goal scoring form at the time as well, but uh, wasn't to be in that respect. And then obviously after Hyde, Whitby had had such a good start, and then it sort of hit the buffers a little bit with four straight defeats in all competitions, um, starting with the Steely Bridge Celtic game at the Tobar Express Stadium. Yeah, I think um, I think the Steely the Steely Bridge one was was a bit of a a bit of a shock really more than anything because like you say we were in good form they were in bad form they weren't in the greatest of form anyway um, and we were aware obviously the build up to the game they, they brought a couple of well we brought three loanees in from football league clubs um, one was a striker and then they had two wingers um, and to, to be fair to them them three players they were absolutely outstanding on the night and there were the difference between the between the two teams every time they went on the attack were aggressive, you know. We done well to keep the game only at one nil. If uh, I'm being honest, um, the amount of times we got down the outside of some balls in the box, obviously they weren't finishing well on the night. But you know, me and Lee at the end of the game just just kind of said to ourselves, "Well, we've just got to hold your hands up." Sometimes, you know, those three players have have pretty much blew us away, um, and then that put Staley Bridge onto a, a good run because they had those three players for a month, and in that month, Staley Bridge went on a real good run. So. You know, these, these things happen in the league. You know, we took loanies ourselves from football league clubs and, and they can make a massive difference. And and like I say, for Staley Bridge, you know, an average team over the season, they've, they've obviously done well against us both games, but certainly in the game you, you make reference to, real top attacking performance from, from three loanies, really, that won them the game. Totally, I can't put any more on that. They were both your hands up and be honest and we were well and truly beaten on the night by a far better team over 90 minutes simple as oh, Fair enough and that was obviously followed up by the third qualifying round in the FA Cup and obviously we'd had Warrington Rylands and Prescott away which were both a level lower than Whitby Town um, and then that was followed up by York City away which is obviously a massive game for a club like Whitby Town in the past that's been an FA Cup first round game first round proper so for that to be the third qualifying round away from home, at the LNER Stadium. I mean, that that afternoon, talk us, talk us through that game from your point of view, because it was possibly a disappointing afternoon in terms of the result, but 
mean, off the pitch, the 400 plus fans that Whitby brought were absolutely outstanding for the day. Yeah, the, the support was brilliant. The turnout, unreal behind that goal. Back the lads all the way, but unfortunately, it's, this is another, this is up there with the Grantham one for me. I think on the day we were just happy to be there. Don't get me wrong, against a very good team, full-time team, but we give them a little bit too much respect. We give them two silly, easy goals and it just felt like at the end of the game we, we we'd enjoyed our afternoon out and and I believe if we'd have got at them and we'd have we'd have really gone for it, they were there to be to be really tested and, and I don't think we did. We had a couple of little well, no, some good opportunities. The keepers made two great saves that could have turned it round, but on the day, like I say, I think we we turned up enjoying our afternoon out and and Fully deserved in, in a great stadium in front of a good crowd, but I just think we had a little bit more to offer that day and, and it, it didn't come out. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Bully 100% on that. I think uh, me and Bully at the time, we were we were adamant the team that we had, uh, the team that we fielded were good enough to beat York. Uh, but when lads go over that white line, um, you know, I certainly think there was a, a little bit too much respect shown to York. Possibly a little bit of stage fright, if you like. Uh, real good pitch, so that everything was true with a with a with a ball, and we, we just struggled to come to terms with it. And and you know, York have put loads of pressure on us. Just the regret with that for us was was you know certainly me and Bully we spoke about it on the way home. It was it was that we didn't give our true performance on that day. And with it being a cup game, you've you've got to turn up on those days and. We were given an opportunity to try and uh, do a giant killing act, if you like, against a, a very big football club in a lovely stadium. And uh, for whatever reason, the lads just um, they just froze. I think um, so. It was unfortunate, but you know, it was you mentioned about the fans. It was it was brilliant seeing them behind the, obviously the goal. And again, one of those regrets we just didn't we just didn't do enough to to give them more to cheer about. Really, that's that's one of the regrets from me anyway. Yeah, it was a real true sign, though, that, um, you know, the Whitby Town supporters this season, you know, home and away, will just continue to get behind the team, whatever's going on. Yeah, definitely. And that's a good thing about this football club. You, given time, you're appreciated for what you do and, and you, you're well backed. And we've had some excellent followings at home. We've had some excellent followings away. And Whitby fans are the same as any fans. If they see lads putting effort in and commitment, which they've seen this season. And it's reciprocated both ways by the players and back the supporters. You, you can you go well together. And I think that all season we've had that. And it's that's been a real highlight of especially a lot of the away wins when you share it with the supporters on some of these long journeys where we haven't tasted success for a couple of years. But yeah, it's both ways the effort from the supporters Hugely appreciated, and I think this year that they've really appreciated the effort the lads are putting on the pitch as well. Yeah, totally agree with Lee on that. It's been uh, been some fantastic away days, definitely. But uh, anyway, back to what uh, what we're talking about, and obviously the the season throughout. The York game was followed up by a trip to Buxton um, on the artificial surface. There, it was it was a four one defeat for Whitby, but. Um, 
I mean, for me in that game, the key thing was losing Lewis Hawkins for a considerable period of time. Gone there. This one gives you nightmares, doesn't it? I'll let you talk. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, we listen. We were we started the game really well. Uh, there was nothing in the game at all. Uh, we were bright. Um, Giles had a few opportunities, um, and their goal really. I mean, books and a great attacking anyway, but their goal came totally against the run of play. And that Hawks, he was down injured. He played a man on side. He was in his own six-yard box. Obviously, his, his calf had gone and, and they made it 1-0. And and from that point, uh, if I remember rightly, I don't know if we brought it back to one or um, I can't remember, but the second half, they just absolutely blew us away. We, we couldn't live with them. Um, losing Hawks, obviously, you know, for the next I think, five or six weeks was a blow. But on on that particular day, it was a, it was a turning point of the game for sure. And um, you know, Diego, as he does every now and again, he, he puts in one of those performances, and, and he, he absolutely ripped us to bits. But you know, it was it was our own downfall. We we stopped doing the basics, and we we, we massively struggled in the second half. It was only four one, but it, it could have been more. To be honest, uh, I was just <laughs> thankful to get on the bus and get home. To be honest, it was it turned into an absolute nightmare. Move on from that one, Paul. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. But uh, we're going to move on to another defeat, Witten Albion. We won't talk too much about that one, the uh, 1-0 at the Tobar Express Stadium. But obviously in that respect then, we've, we mentioned it was four consecutive defeats um, in all competitions for Whitby. And then the game following that was Scarborough Athletic at the Tobar Express Stadium. And to go into a derby game with four consecutive defeats isn't exactly ideal preparation, but on the evening, Whitby Town absolutely blew the coastal rivals away. Yeah, I think I remember at the time saying it probably was a, a great time to play Scarborough because on the back of that run, all the, the, the old sayings of forms out the window, which was probably well at that time, but also they were in a sticky patch as well. And it was one of them on the night, again, we, every man from Shane up to, to Hayes and Fust up top, they give seven eights out of ten, and we were well worth our our lead at half time. We were well worth the victory, and it was a really good night, an enjoyable night, and a standout performance. Well, standout forty five minutes of the season, and a very comfortable second half where again we missed a couple of chances, which is becoming a little bit of a recurring theme. But a, a great night and well enjoyed, but. As the season's proved, it was just one victory. That's all it was. Yeah, just just on the obviously the build up to the Scarborough game, we we, we did be played Witten. Um, I think that was another one niller. Uh, that I think they missed a the penalty to make it two 0 but that was a a very similar performance to Grantham for me. Um, their first goal came from one of our corners. They went on the attack like the the, the games began. Sorry. Um, and obviously they, they, they put the ball away, but on the day we were just totally lacklustre. It was kind of like we had, you know, we had a hangover from the FA Cup. We just we just hit a bad run of form. And and, and like Lee just said, it was Scarborough was probably the best game for us. Um, because when it comes to a derby game, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot to get the lads revved up for it. You know, the fans are there. You know, Scarborough turned up in the numbers, obviously behind our dugout. We we're getting obviously loads of stick throughout the game. And you know, the the only thing that keeps them quiet is obviously putting the ball in the net. And, and like you say, 3-0 at half-time. Uh, the game was as good as, as done and dusted. Um, Johnny picked up an injury in that first half. We made a decision to sub him at half-time, which he wasn't happy with. 
but we just needed to see the game out and you know we were we wanted a comfortable second half we wanted to keep the ball um because obviously with a small squad we wanted to we needed Johnny fit obviously for for the next few games so but yeah great performance and, and like I say certainly one of the highlights of uh, of the season yeah and I mean that was an evening as well that we spoke about the fans at York City and the travelling support, but that was an evening that shows how much of an impact the home support can have as well, because I seem to remember Liam Cook going down the wing for his goal, going down the left-hand side, and, and the noise from that side of the ground was absolutely outstanding in terms of Whitby Town point of view. So it shows what an impact that a big, loud, sort of raucous crowd can have. Yeah, and, and also the other way we were, it was aggressive football, which we, we've constantly asked for is aggressive attacking football from ourselves, which you always hear give the supporters something to shout about and or do the supporters get you going. I think on that night it was it was 50-50, wasn't it? And yeah. football we produced brilliant to watch and equally backed up by the um, support of, of our fans. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, that was followed up then by a trip to Warrington Town a few days later. And um, you sort of look at the Warrington Town game, it was a nil-nil draw. There was there was chances to for either side to win the game. But I mean, the big story coming out of that one was losing Lewis Ritson, who'd only, I think there was only two games up to that point. He hadn't started. He'd had an excellent start to the season for Whitby. He'd come back fit, he'd come back sharp and was getting rave reviews from supporters and then goes down with an ACL injury, which, you know, unfortunately finished his season. Yeah, it was, listen, it's, there wasn't a challenge on him. It, it kind of just, it just went. He kind of come off the pitch and he said, I think I'm okay. He went back on and we could tell straight away it wasn't the right thing. And he said, now look, I'm going to have to come off. And, you know, lucky for, for us and for Lewis, it, you know, it, after his, his scan and things, it turned out to be an ACL. So, it, it, yeah, big blow. Massive blow for us, and you know I think I think that's been proven over the course of the season as well. Um, he gave us pace at the back, Lewis, um, and like I say, he had a, a strong, strong start to the season. But I was credit to him because you know he really sorted himself out over pre-season. He, he started that early, and he went on a on a on a fitness regime, if you like. He used to call me up, he used to meet up, he used to do uh, some fitness bits ourselves, and. You could see when he came into pre-season, he was just in. He was just in real he was streamlined. He was in real good condition. Um, he lost something like a stone and a half in the the season before. So the kid meant business, and you know sometimes football can be cruel. And and like I say, it wasn't even that; it was a physical challenge on him. It, it was just something that went, and and these things happen. So, yeah, massive blow for us. But you know, I think you know the lads finished the game off well at Warrington. It was it was a nil-nil game, and. You know, there was a point where Giles, he did round the keeper and he, he checked back again. And I think that was the defining moment for us, uh, not getting the win. But uh, all in all, it was a, another solid away performance and a clean sheet. Yeah, I think that Warrington game, historically, we, we would go to Warrington and put a decent performance in, but usually get beat 1-0 off a, a throw-in or a corner or a free kick. And this season, we stood up to that task so well. Like Nave said there, we, we had a few chances to score, but it was, it was like a coming of age. The bit I remember is obviously Kobe comes on as a, how old have we been, Nave? 19, 18, yeah. 19, Kobe 19, Shepherd. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, he's having, it's in a difficult period of the game, last 25 minutes, and he's he's had a 50 50 within seconds of coming on with one of their big 
bodybuilder units they like to have on the pitch. And he's hurtled into that tackle 50-50 at the deck. Came out of it. And that's like, uh, I remember looking at each other and thinking, ow. And, and to be fair yeah. to him, he got up and he got on. And from that moment on, you thought, yeah, Kobe, Kobe can handle a level. He fancies it. So that was a good coming of age that day for the full squad, I believe, because we had a few young lads who had to stand tall that day. Yeah, I remember that challenge, Bully, because that, I think that was Kobe coming of age, like, welcome to the NPL, really. And, you yeah. know, the fact that he, he, he came off better than, than the lad who was actually a lot bigger than him. Um, and obviously, their lad steamrolled in and, and got him by the neck, didn't they? <laughs> but, um, no, I remember that. And, and like I say, Kobe, from that point, he's, he's never let us down, has he? Like, this is not academy football anymore. This is immense. Yeah. And, he, and welcome to the NPL, like you said. I, I, I know that's uh, one of your things, the old uh, welcome to the NPL, not academy football thing, Bully. Um, you know, it's, it's something we've spoken about quite a lot of times. Um, so in terms of the league form then at that time, it was actually, it was one win in seven. Uh, I think there was one draw in there as well. So it's it's one of those that not a brilliant run of form, obviously the Scarborough game being the win, but then you go to Matlock Town, who were top of the league at the time, away from home, with, you know, you had to recall Sonny Fergus. He's gone into the midfield. You've got a squad that's sort of getting a little bit threadbare. And then you go there and win 3-2. And it just shows that, you know, when when the squad as a whole is on it, you know, they, they can absolutely do the job. Yeah, I, I think, I think you know, it, it was a, it was, a, it was one of those going into the game and it wasn't necessarily a case of hope for the best. It was more a case of uh, very similar to the, the Gainsborough game. We, we've got a group of lads there, young lads who were starting the game, lads who hadn't been playing, had not been regulars in the, in the team. And um, it was a case of, right, go show us what you can do. We, we believe in you, we trust you. Can, can you go do it? And, um, you know, from you know everyone that started the game, the lads that come on, it was, it was kind of a, an eight, nine out of 10 by everyone. Um, key performer in the early stages, Harry Green. They, they couldn't live with Harry. Uh, Sonny got his first goal for us. Um, I remember um, Priestley Griffiths outstanding on the day. You, you wouldn't associate Priestley with like you know big strong headers, and he was doing that on the day. Um, but every single one of them to put the bodies on the line, and we we outbattled Matlock. Um, they were a, a team who were top of the league at the time by a good stretch. They scored the most goals. Really aggressive, tall team, and and. You know, they got there through pure willpower and, and, and being aggressive uh, physically. And, and, and we outdone them on that day. And, you know, we, we said earlier about coming of age, that, that kind of said to the lads, you know, especially those younger boys, look, you're more than good enough to stake your place in this team. And, you know, I think that set the, set the bar, really, that, you know, no places were guaranteed. And for me and Bully, it, was, it wasn't relief, but it was confirmation that we knew these lads could come in and do a proper job for us. Definitely, yeah. No, I think last well, the Warrington game, we said it was Kobe. And this was obviously Sonny, wasn't it? It was. It's brilliant for us and and the town to have a local lad in. But for me, that day when he when he went into centre midfield, which is is yeah. not where you'd really associate him with to, to make his full debut, and he went in, he scored the goal, he dominant, and and you think, yeah, he deserves to be there. He's he's here on merit. It's not this local lad in the team, he's, he's there because he's more than good enough and, yeah, and he's, he's gone on strength to strength as the season went on so that was, a, that was another defining moment for me in the season. 
let's let's just talk about Sonny Fergus quickly then, because obviously a lot of our listeners will want to obviously hear your opinions on Sonny and how his season's gone. I mean, coming into that Matlock Town game, we mentioned there, top of the league, Whitney winning 3-2. It took him three minutes in the middle, you know, in the middle of the midfield to put Whitby ahead. I mean, that's an outstanding start for any player at a football club. But to do that on your full debut for your hometown club is, you know, is, is absolutely mind-blowing, really. And as you mentioned there, as the season's gone on, he's he's looked better and better. But, I mean, you, you look at Sonny and he's just, he's just not afraid, is he? He's, he's 110% in everything that he does. Yeah, it's um, like if, you, if you're going to ask for a... A debut, obviously you you're picking the score early doors, aren't you? So from that point of view, that couldn't have done him any better. There's like could have went the opposite way, but it didn't. It, it went positive for him, and, he, and he's carried it on. A goal out of it, which was was brilliant, but his overall performance was was more what we were after that day. The, the fact that he'll head second balls, he'll pick it up, he'll work and shuffle across the pitch. He can pass forward as well. Um, where we we signed him because we knew there was a player there, definitely. We've seen it in training, we've seen the attitude and commitment. But then the way we started the season, he wasn't going to play as much as he needed to. So he wants to play football. We needed him to. So he went back to Pickering and getting himself going. And as soon as he was called back, he... Like you said, he's, he's never looked back. The only issue with Sonny now is he's stepped up a level and these games are tougher and harder. And he's, like you say, like a few of the lads, he's picked up a few nasty little injuries at the end of the season, but it'll stand him in good stead going forward. And he's adapted now. He knows a level. And as all footballers, he, he's got to progress again next season, which I'm sure he will. And I look forward to seeing yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And, and like I say, Sonny, for me, his attitude, first and foremost, is is up there. It's where it needs to be. And um, his work rate on the football pitch, that, that shines through his desire. He, he covers he covers so much ground in a game. Um, and, and you see that when he actually does go into the midfield, uh, when he needs to cover more than what he would uh, in the right-back position. And like Bully just said, he puts, he puts his body on the line. He, he fights and scraps for absolutely everything. And, and this league demands that. Um, so for, for Sonny uh, to come in and, and, and do it as, as he has, it, it's a credit to him. And he always wants to learn. He always listens. He's, he's one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. So polite. Uh, but when he goes on a football pitch, he, he changes. And, and that's what you want. And um, yeah, I, I can't speak hard enough for Sonny. So like Bully's just said, you know, that's his first season in, in the Northern Premier League. Um, what we're looking for next season now is he's, he's established himself now. Can he push himself on and, and, and improve on, on what's been a, a good, positive season for him? Yeah, and I mean, Whitby fans will all agree that it's great to see a local lad in the side and playing for the club because you get so few of them um, nowadays compared to, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So it's good to see. Um, one game that we did miss out when we were talking there was the FA Trophy uh, going to Shildon in the FA Trophy. And the Trophy is a competition that, again, we traditionally don't do well in. So then to go to Shildon, which is a fairly tough away game, turn up, realise that you have no kit, no training gear, no nothing, pretty much. I mean, that that doesn't set your uh, preparations for the day in brilliant stead, does it? No, 
manager's nightmare, really. <laughs> we were stood in the centre circle, me and Bully, and we just got this, you know, just got a feeling the kit wasn't turning up for whatever reason. The, the normal guy, John, who obviously brings it, he's normally there early. And when he when he didn't turn up early, it was a case of trying to get hold of him. And it turned out it was on holiday. So there was a mix up on the communication. And and uh, obviously we had to we had to wear children's away kit, but we overcome that, thankfully. Um we could have had excuses, but we said to the lads, look, there's there's no excuse here. I know in the children and when you go in the in the main stand in the changing rooms, it's like you're in a broom cupboard. Uh and and the lights were going off. We we're in total darkness. You know, it was everything non-league, to be honest with you. Pitch wasn't great. Um so again, it was about getting into the lads' heads. And um, you know, we we went out there. I think it was a if I remember right, it was a professional performance. We put Liam Puck in the number 10 role. Um, although he was pretty quiet. On the day, he showed his class. Uh, he opened them up and he, he dispatched a, a, a great strike uh, to make it 1-0. Uh, then going down to 10 men, uh, we were in total control for a period until uh, probably the last 15 minutes when they started to obviously go forward. Uh, but we held out well and I, th- I think we always look comfortable uh, in getting the win. Um, and, you know, let's be honest about it, Shilden have uh, they've had a great season, they were strong outfits. So, you know, we were happy with that win, definitely. Yeah, move on. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah we won't talk about the kit um, so yeah we'll, we'll jump back to where we were then um, obviously we mentioned that Matlock game and that sparked off after one win in seven sparked off a run of six unbeaten in the league for Whitby Town um, and the one after Matlock was FC United of Manchester and I mean that that's a game that traditionally Whitby just don't win um, I think they've, they've beaten FC United Manchester twice in a season once and then they're going to do it again this year. That first game then, talk to us about that first game at the Tobar Express Stadium. Um, another one, it's, it's the story of the season. We're starting to realise now that the top teams don't scare us. We, we turn up and we compete and we defend and we're compact and we work as hard as anyone. And when the opportunities come, we can break hard and fast. So it was becoming a, a recurring theme. Uh, the goal, I think it was Priestley, wasn't it? Slipped it through someone's legs, slid the pass yeah, through, and, and was it Fuse finished it? Yeah, to Brad. Yeah, it was what we were all about. We at the time we were so resilient and tough, and then when we broke, we broke hard and fast, and they, they couldn't live with us. As similar to Scarborough in the first forty-five minutes, we done the damage, and then. Nave said it all season long. When we get in front, we're a very difficult team to beat, and it was that was the way it was going at the time, and everything was was rosy and brilliant in them and performances. Another really good, enjoyable night. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember because we'd watched FC a couple of times, and we like to get the ball wide, and you know, I think I think from Man and Bully's perspective, we we made a bit of a ball move tactically. And we really narrowed our formation down and we said, look, they're, they're, they're at the weakest through the middle and that's where we need to really overload them through the middle. And to be fair, you know, it doesn't happen every week, but the tactics, you know, the, the just everything just come off for us. Lads start to believe in that. They could see we were overloading them in the middle and we were, we were basically going through them like butter. Um, you know, and it, I suppose it was a compliment when, when their gaffer, uh, Neil Reynolds, he, he established that after about 15 minutes and said, we're going to have to change this and, and he kind of matched us up. But, you know, that was a, you know, from a performance point of view, again, it was a decent crowd for us and 
the fans got behind us, but it was such a dominant display. And we didn't ever really look like we were going to concede. Um, so it, it ended up being a comfortable win in the end, I think. And it, it, again, it should have been more than one, uh, their keeper. Um, I forget what he's called, but he, he had a great he had a great night again. So it was it was a great win, and you know it was two teams who liked to play football. So it was it was the perfect kind of scenario for us to go perform. Following the FC game was the FA Trophy against Mosley, and then go out and win five nil. And it was the first time that Whitby had scored more than three in a game. And I mean that's that's a game where looking at the scoreline and looking at what Jacob Hazel was like that afternoon. You just knew it was going to come at some point. I think. I think the trend was obviously we we had this with Rylands, we had it with uh, with Clitheroe. You know, both of those games could have been more than what they actually were in terms of the result. Um, I think the jump from the league below us to where we're at, I think it's quite a big leap. And um, you know, Mosley Mosley found that out because the, the court was on a good day in front of goal. Um, and it was such a dominant display. And, and as we know, as we found out at York, when you go behind, it's a back back against the walls job because the momentum's with the team who's just gone in front. And and from that point, we we, we played on the front foot through throughout the duration of the game. And we enjoyed it. We could see the lads were popping the ball about, they had a smile on the face. And and even Priester decided to have a shot from 25 yards, which kind of told you everything and he put it away. So it was, you know, it was a great day, but like I said, I think I think the the, the golfing class w- w- was evident, uh, and it, it showed that in the previous two games against lower position as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that was that was one afternoon where I've managed to relax so much I can I can remember Priestley's goal, but I couldn't tell you anything else <laughs> about the game. It's, um, it's right out the memory that one. And I mean, around that time when we were playing well obviously between the league and the FA Trophy, Harry Green came into the squad. It's a name that we mentioned in respect to that Matlock game. But just talk to us about the impact that Harry Green had then, because obviously he went on to get his first goal for the club shortly after against Baseford. I think, Harry, you, you said earlier about this welcome to the MPL Academy, and it, I've got to be honest, it is always a worry because what they've came from, the facilities, the pitches... Um, the lifestyle, if you like, to suddenly get thrust into our environment. So I remember he came on his first game and he, he got knocked around for 10, 15 minutes. But one thing sticks in my mind, he jumped straight back up and got knocked back down again, back up. And then the next game, he'd, he'd learned instantly and he was just moving it past people. He was quicker than them. And he was... The best thing I can say for Harry is he looked so comfortable at this level, it didn't phase him, the physical side of it, the heading side of it, but also you could see he had ability above the level and he was, it was a credit to himself and and to Middlesbrough for developing him and allowing him to come in. So he was, he was a breath of fresh air and a, and a really good young lad. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Bully on that, his, his application and his want to do well and be part of the team. Uh, you know, coming from a, a Premier League, well, a Championship Academy, if you like, Cat One, he just did everything that you'd want. Really, um, it wasn't a shock to the system for him. He adapted to it really well. Um, even on the, you know, the real bad pitches, he he didn't let things get to him. He wasn't waving his arms around, head down. He he just cracked on and got on with it. And again, very very similar to Sonny. It's it's a testament to his mentality, really, because you know those kind of things can get on top of you as a player, but. Players who progress and crack on and perform week in, week out are the ones who forget about it very, very quickly. And 
and Harry surprisingly coming from the environment he has, he you know he 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 done very very well for us. As Lee just said, he was absolute credit to himself and Middlesbrough. One thing with Harry made me made me laugh on his first game. Was it Matlock? Did we say it was his first game? Matlock away. Yeah. yeah. He obviously he's turned up and the great results and probably doesn't realise at this level you go in the bar and you have <laughs> you have a buffet and a, and a pint or two if you're allowed after a good win and he's looking at all the lads having a pint and said, Do you have him one, Harry? He just looked and he said, No pint, I haven't brought my ID. And you just look and think he's a, a slight little lad, but he was he was so brave on the pitch. And um he he, he got well into our our environment definitely he's, a, he's an excellent lad. So yeah, that uh, that game we mentioned base for the uh, the one one there, followed up by uh, the Nantwich Town game, um, and it's something that we've all spoken about throughout the season. This um, when we've been sort of off air is with this tendency to throw in a performance that I'm good for for want of a better word or a better phrase stinks the place out <laughs> essentially, and, and that Nantwich Town game for me in the FA Trophy was one that seemed to do that. No, I remember it well. I remember it well. It was it was quite a windy night. Um, obviously, we got reduced down to nine, and we had two men sent off in that game. But we absolutely dominated the game in terms of possession and getting to a certain point um, of the pitch. But unfortunately, when we got to the final third, we we just couldn't find the key to unlock any doors and, and create any meaningful chances and. You know, on reflection, which obviously we've done a lot of since the season finished, it's it, it, it's something that was common for us that teams who were not necessarily part of the bus but really kind of defended and, and sat back, we did struggle to to break those teams down. Um, and Nantwich was certainly one of those teams who, who liked to do that and, and, and get teams on the counter-attack, which is what they did with us in the end. Um, and then they held on. Even with nine men, like I say, it was all us. We kept pushing, obviously, to try and get that win, but we were never ever going to score, so that that's something mainly reflected on, and and we know we need to be better in the final third. But that was just one typical game of many in the season where when a team sat back, we've we've, we've for whatever reason we've, we've struggled to create chances. And that night, looking for positives, at least we didn't have to go to Kings Lynn away. <laughs> you've, you've just killed my next question there, Billy, and uh, yeah. I was going to say, did nobody fancy uh, a weekend away at King's Lynn before a week before Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, the question's no. <laughs> the answer's no, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, then that uh, that obviously followed in. That was the last game before Christmas. And then we went to the South Shields game at the Tobar Express Stadium. Again, another bumper crowd. South Shields well-backed as well. And, and one of those games which was a real delight to watch both sides looking to get on the front foot and create chances. Yeah, and I've got a moan at you here because I've seen the goal of the month, goal of the season videos, and and for me that the one Hazel bent in the corner was was up there with anything we scored this season. The, the good player from Malik, the, the one two is a little over. Sorry, it was yeah, a little over from Brad Fuster, yeah. wasn't it? And then Hazel yeah. bent it in the far corner. It was a with his right foot. Yeah, a, yeah. So it was a for me that was a brilliant goal to like you say round off a. Great performance from from two very good teams. Yeah, I think I think with South Shields, we, we knew everything in terms of what their capabilities were and where they were strong. 
the ball going at the strike around the corner to the right or left side. And obviously they create a lot of chances from that kind of uh, phase of play. I think it was 17 seconds. <laughs> they went 1-0 up and everything kind of goes out the window. You're 1-0 down at that particular time. We were a team who, for whatever reason, we, we struggled to come back from, from games where we went behind. Um, we were obviously a different team to when we go in front. Um, but as Bully's just said there, we, we composed ourselves. We, we come into the game. Um, and again, Fuse played a, a big part in both goals. I remember Jas wrapping one in from the left-hand side. Uh, Fuse to cushioning it. And then Ayers just struck it with his right foot uh, across the deck and in the bottom corner. Um, but in that game, that was a 50-50 game. It could have gone either way. Uh, I think, I think, truth be told, I think on the day, I think we were the stronger team. Uh, but then to go 2-1 behind, it was a we got caught slightly out of position. Um, JJ Hooper scored again to make it 2-1. But again, it showed a, a side to us that we weren't familiar with at the time where we'd come back and and just come back against any team. We'd come back against South Shields with what was, for me, the the goal of the season, I think, uh, from from a team perspective. And, you know, it was it was two brilliant strikes from Hazel, both with his right foot. And at the end of that, you've got to say to yourself, you go behind twice against South Shields. Uh, it, you know, it was a, it was a well-earned point. Uh, but unfortunately, um, towards the end of the game, I remember Hayes going through, who's, who's no slouch, by the way. But on that particular day, it was uh, Mitch Rose, I think, who was just coming on loan, Danny Rose's brother. Danny Rose's brother, and he, he was just an absolute, he was like Usain Bolt. He, he caught Hayes and, and kind of rescued what would have been a one-on-one -on -one chance. So, you know, we finished the game happy with a point, but at the end of the day, it was, it was a great performance and we could have easily got three. Yeah, I feel bad now for not putting that uh, for that second goal in the goal of the uh, season competition. <laughs> Cheers for that, Bully. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously, following on from that South Shields game, then we get into the second half of the season. Um, so we've played the first twenty-two games. We've we've had a fantastic sort of first half of the season. We come into the second, um, and that started with the New Year's Day game against Morpeth Town, where we lost two 0 in that one. And again, it's a tough place to go on Morpeth and we, we know what Morpeth are like in terms of their game plan and how they set up and how they try to beat teams. But the two disappointing ones after that, you I'm sure you both agree, with the uh, the Lancaster and the Atherton games at home where Whitby lost 3-0 and 2-0 respectively. Yeah, I think the Morpeth game, obviously, with, you know, Morpeth were a strong, experienced outfit. Um a decision went against us, obviously, for the first goal, but it, it was still a long way from, from our goal. We didn't deal with that very well uh, through through being organised, if you like. Um, and I think they just, you know, over the course of the game, they just got in our heads. You know, as a group, we showed our inexperience. We showed a little bit of weakness as well. So we'll 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 learn a lot from that that game, to be honest. But it was it was a disappointing performance. There's no doubt about it. You know, it was New Year's Day. You want to you want to get off to a fast start. Obviously, going into the second half of the season, uh, and we'd we'd just been outfoxed by an experienced team. Um, it, it was disappointing. I, I still remember obviously doing an interview with you, Paul, and it was you know it was a real kind of down moment for me because for all I knew what we stood for as a team, we had a group of lads who would give absolutely everything. Um, I just again, I'll I'll repeat. I, I just think we failed on. On, on a bit of mental weakness on that particular day. What was the other game you were on about after that? Um, it was Lancaster, the three. Oh, the Lancaster, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Lancaster and Atherton. So, it, I mean, going into that, obviously our pitch at that particular time, it was, you know, 
it was it was hard work. You know, it's the same for both teams, and and I, I think it was just a case of both Atherton and Lancaster handled the conditions a lot better than us on the day. It was it was really really hard. They were getting into wide areas. They played with uh, both played with wing backs. Uh, I suppose that's where the slightly better ground was, and and they exposed us a little bit. I think um, we just for whatever reason we we really struggled in both those games and. You know, me and Bully would look at ourselves after the game, and it was like we just we weren't even competitive in those games. So you just got to hold your hands up sometimes, and you've got to try and regroup. Um, but alongside the uh, the Gainsborough game away, that without those two performances for me were were were, were the worst three performances of the season. For me, the, the Morpeth game, you couldn't probably pick a tougher place to go against. Awkward opposition, and, and I always turn back more of hoping, probably getting in trouble if a dumb affair hear this or whatever, that you get a decent set of referees and linesmen. And it seems every time we turn up there that they've been plucked off the college leagues and they just can't handle the, the intensity and the aggression that comes at them. And it's we've been on the wrong end of some terrible decisions there. But like Nair said as well, at the same time, we also haven't been mentally tough enough to, to get over that. And and, and Morpeth have, fortunately, away from home, outfoxed us a couple of times. And, and that's something we need to get right. Obviously, something that became a theme of the season then, and we, we spoke about, obviously, Nathan spoke about the Lancaster and Atherton games, but the theme of the season is bouncing back from those sort of results. And then the turnaround, again, came in spectacular <coughs> fashion over about four minutes because... At Hyde United, it was a first half where Whitby didn't play particularly brilliantly. Um, but then the last sort of 20, 25 minutes, Adam Gell, Malik Dykesteel are introduced and Whitby come to life. Yeah, and you, you put that one in your goal this season, didn't you? That, that was another great little bit of link up from Malik and Fuse to these, these academy-based footballers on the same wavelength. Give them the right surface and 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 the, that goal was another one as good as you'll see the the little give and goes the through ball but 60 70 minutes a, a very tight game could have went either way the injection of of Gelly's strength and and know-how which we've missed massive this season the pace of of the lads on them surfaces and it was a it was a big win like you say and it was an um, moment for us to turn it round and get back going away from home and again like you said Harry had his impact Malik definitely had his impacts in, in games on with certain pitches and certain conditions he was he was too hot to handle at times for opposition players it, it was a it was a tight game the hard one with few chances um so the first half but it was kind of old Achilles heel really it didn't happen every week but it happened more than we would have liked, but you know, when you're really comfortable in the game and the, the opposition aren't really causing any problems, we gave a we gave a real silly penalty away. And, you know, it was a challenge that didn't need to be made. The, the kid was going nowhere, and obviously they scored the penalty. Um, and and you're one nil down, and it's an unforgiving league. And whenever you, you go down, you know it, it is really hard to come back. And and like I say, you said it yourself, Paul. The introduction of uh, of Kelly and uh, Malik, like all subs, that that come on to make an impact, whether that's defensively because we we want to get solid and tighten things up, or whether it's to go affect the game and 
and trying to get, get something out of the game. And, and uh, Gelly was like a man possessed. And uh, Malik, every time he got the ball, he was running at them. He was aggressive on the front foot. He just couldn't handle him. And, and like I say, it's, you know, Fuse has had to do the finishing and Hax has had to put the penalty away. But they're the reason we pulled those two goals back in that game. And, you know, it was... Um, wasn't far off being the last kick of the game, but that was a massive point for us in the season because we didn't look like we were going to score. We didn't look like we were going to score and it's three points on the road for us and again, it, it gives us an opportunity to to try and go for those playoffs again. That was followed up by a, a remarkable game of football a few days later, a Tuesday night at Broadhurst Park against FC United and Manchester. Um, and I mean, after about 11 minutes, I was completely knackered. I don't know about you two, but... Uh, yeah, that 4-3 win was, was something else, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I remember saying to Bully, because we, we sit opposite each other on the bus and I looked at him and, you know, it's a hard place to go, let, let's be honest. You know, they're, they're a great football inside. I looked at him and I said, I'm really, really confident about us tonight. Um, it was just something I, I just felt we were, we were up for it, looking at the lads and stuff. And when you get into the arena and, you know, you see the quality of the pitch, there was a bit of zip on it. You know, we we started with, with intent, really. Um, you know, we were really comfortable on the ball, composed, and we were zipping it around. And it was it was everything that we've been about when we played on half-decent pitches throughout the season. And, and FC United struggled with us. They really did. And the, and the only weapon that they did have was obviously the set pieces, which, surprisingly for us, on the night, we've been absolutely brilliant at them. Um, keeping lots of clean sheets and being really strong. And physical, and and they were finding they were finding a way, and you know that was our weakness on the night. But credit to the lads, it was a great footballing performance. You know, from an attacking perspective, Hazel was on his game. Fuster, best game of the season by a country mile, I think for me. Malik was on it. Harry was on it, and um, even Josh McDonald come on and, and and had a great impact on the game. But from one to eleven, and the subs coming on, we were just. The 4 3 didn't do us justice, I think. I think we give FC just opportunities to come back into the game and, and put pressure on us when really we could have put the game to bed. But the game was showed character, and that was one of the most fulfilling performances for me. You know, that feel good factor at the end of the game where you look and you think, lads, that, that's everything that you're about. I think as well that night we, we made a couple of big calls on the selection, if you like. So I remember, right, we left Joss we out, we left we Josh did. out, like you said. and yeah. Obviously, they weren't happy as you'd expect and want. And but both of them two went. I remember Josh went on, like Nave said, and he, he ran up one way. But we took Jass on with like 20 minutes to go and under the cosh and was basically going to fend for his Jass. And Jass being Jass, on he went and he, he just straight away started flinging his body on the line and, and getting in the way of things. So it was, it was a big squad performance that night. It was, um, Another one of these nights against the good team. We keep saying it, don't we? And we, we're repeating the opposite of where we, we know where we've let ourselves down against the lesser opposition, if you like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the, the following two games were Warrington and Stafford. So there was two draws there in, in two difficult games in terms of circumstances. The Warrington game, very wind-affected, but Whitby, obviously, with the wind in the second half, getting an equaliser and probably should have won that game looking at the chances in the second half. Um, Stafford again it's a tough place to go not many teams have picked up points there and not many teams have won at all at Stafford this year and then followed by the the 2-1 defeat at Scarborough um, and that was that was a game that 
and we'll talk. We'll probably end up talking about Scarborough a little bit more later on. But that game against Scarborough at Flamingo Land Stadium, Whitby one 0 up, um, and losing the game two one is a similar story to the season previous. But the one that really affected that was the straight red card from Alec Dykesdale. Yeah, and I, and I remember the the disappointment after the game and doing the interview with yourselves and. Did that change the whole outcome of the game? It, it obviously gave them a mass advantage and it, it took them till late on to take it. But again, that's the risk you take when you're bringing these lads in. They're coming to learn the game and and he's learned a, a massive lesson that night. He'll remember that for the rest of his life. He, what a place to go and choose to um, learn about losing your rag and, and the consequences. But... He apologised, he got his head down, and he apologised in the dressing room. He went back to the middle, he lost a month or so of football from that because where the fixtures all fell and he kept himself right and he came back and he made up for it. But yeah, an unbelievable start. We Again, we, we ran him ragged for 25 minutes, scored one, maybe he needed to get another one. And Scarborough, like you say, as we'll probably chat about, the... That we're developing this habit of, of staying in the game and, and finding a goal late on when it really mattered. And, and that was their trait, I think, over the season. And, and, and look what it's done for them. Yeah, I think Bullies at the nail on the head there, which was a testament to Scarborough than anything, because when you look back at the season, that was curtailed. Um, we went there and we should have been 4 0 up in the first 15 minutes, I think. And, you know, the, we've only scored one. Um, and they've come back and beat us. And, and to be fair, you know, like Bullies just said, 25 minutes, we were exactly like we were against FC United. We were, we were zipping the ball around, we were exposing them, we were going through them like butter we're on the front foot. Um, but we we didn't we didn't score, obviously, the, the goals that we needed. So when you're on top of the game and Malik getting sent off, you know, they've grinded away without being fantastic. They've kept going. Credit to our lads, they've tried to stay in the game and they've defended with their lives, but ultimately it was just a little bit too much in the end. But that was certainly a trait to Scarborough with the games that we played against and Barrett, obviously, the 3 0 home win for us. But they, they somehow found a way to stay in games, and that's that's a real it's a real strength uh, for a club, really. And I, I, you know, without knowing all their games this season, they went on a good run. And I, I'd imagine that's that's one of the reasons why they've managed to stay in games when they're under cosh. Yeah, I mean, a fantastic run for the second half of the season for Scarborough. And they beat us um, just a couple of weeks later as well in the North Ryan Senior Cup quarter-final. But just looking at the league form then from that point on, it was it was followed up by a, a decent 2-2 draw against Matlock. Again, a game that Whitby did well in and then a 2-0 win against Bamba Bridge. Um, but following those two games was sort of where the inconsistency started to hit towards the back end of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, me, me and Bully spoke, we speak at length, obviously, probably on a daily basis. And, you know, I, th- I think the Matlock game, we, you know, it was it was unfortunate they scored a late goal at the back post, um, which was, was preventable, I think. But, you know, it just went against us on, on that particular day. And then the, the next game, Paul, sorry, what was the next game? Uh, Bamba Bridge, 2-0 win. Bamba Bridge, yeah. We, we faced Bamba Bridge. I think we caught them on a good day um, in, in that they were were struggling with numbers. They had a number of loanees who returned to the parent clubs and and they, they, they turned up with, with 14 or 15 players and some of those were fully fit. So it was a great day to play them. And, and to be fair, we were always, always in control of that particular game. But yeah, that got us 
you know, he got us the three points. It was another clean sheet. And again, it was something that, you know, we spoke about at length. This is a chance to get in the playoffs. But on to my point, it was it was always one of those when an opportunity knocked for us, for whatever reason, we seemed to cook under the pressure. Um, and we can say that now because we were presented with lots of opportunities to, to really establish ourselves in the playoffs. And when we asked the, the lads to go do that, look, come on, this is your opportunity for whatever reason. We just couldn't cement our place and put a performance in. So that's disappointing. Um, but ultimately, I think it's it's something that, you know, going into next season, um, a lot of those boys will be a, a lot better and wiser for the experience. We speak about the chances then to get into the playoffs. Um, we mentioned about the inconsistency in the form since the uh, since that Bamber Bridge game. Afterwards, we went to Nantwich, uh, lost 1-0. So it was, it was a loss, win, draw, win. Loss, draw, loss, win, win, loss. So again, just couldn't really establish those patterns in that sort of in that last band of fixtures. No, but sometimes you've got to you hold your hands up and accept the Nantwich game, which again we we started excellent. We we had a great chance. Brad, some keepers somehow made a save from from Fuse from two or three yards. We could have been one nil up after two minutes, and Josh has had a chance. But then after that. Nantwich were better than us. It wasn't that we were really poor. We were we threw the game away. Nantwich just performed better than us all over the pitch, coincided with them hitting a good run of form. And they deserve to beat us on the day. You can't ball up to these away games, think we're going to win week after week after week. We were beaten deservedly so by Nantwich on that one. And, and that happens. And you've got to get on with it and, and start again. But obviously, we'll, we'll talk about a few games in there. It was it was a decent draw against Buxton, the nil-nil at the Tobar Express Stadium a couple of games later. Obviously, Hacks missed the penalty, and then that potentially changes the game completely. Um, but again, a couple of games after that, going to Sterling Bridge, having that game in hand in the playoffs and losing the game in the 94th minute was uh, was a real disappointment, wasn't yeah, it? I'll jump in again, Ian, because again, I, I think on Sterling Bridge, Deserved to beat us. They were better than us on the night. They were won every second ball. They're probably putting one of the better performances of the season. Again, we we could have snuck out of there with a point. But you can't, you can't look at the lads saying, no, they didn't do this, they didn't do that. On the night, Staley Bridge performed better than us. Yeah. We accepted that we, we were beaten. We went for it late doors to try and win the game. We knew we needed to. We had very limited players on the pitch. We, we left three men up for a corner, a great delivery in, and the lads got a free header. And Shane Bland's raging after the game because he's conceded a goal, but he said it was one point. We almost gained a point that night and, and we tried to get three. Staley Bridge, for me, deserved to beat us that night and, and we got what we deserved, which was... No, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Bully on that. We, we tried to be brave. We were pretty confident that we needed to get the three points on that particular night. The, you know, the season wasn't far away from, from drawing to an end. And we were conscious that we really wanted to get the playoffs, so we, we were brave. And sometimes you set pieces. You, I'm saying you've got to hold your hands up. You know, Brogan on, you know, an out, it was his first outswinging corner of the game. We knew the in-swing corner. Um, and he's arrowed one to the penalty spot and he's hit the intended target. It's, it's a great header, so... Like Bully said, Staley Bridge on, on both games they've played us this season have been far superior to us and, and fully deserve to do the double over us. Um, 
And then when you look at Buxton, obviously the eventual champions, you know, that was, um, we stifled Buxton. Uh, we did everything right on the day. We created chances. Obviously, we put those chances away. We had the penalty, which obviously hacks missed uh, quite late in the day. And, you know, it, it, it's the way it goes sometimes in football. It's fine lines. And to say that with, you know, Buxton who beat us 4 1 away and it could have been more, we've, they've come to our place and they've not really had a kick. We've been more aggressive than them. We, we control the game for, for pretty much the duration and they're walking away, obviously, from the tour bar. You know, thankful they've got a point because um, they didn't deserve anything from the game. So it, it's just one of those things. And, you know, the, the all seasons are defined by, you know, the fine margins of, of games. And, you know, the Stady Bridge one, like we just said, there's no complaints with that. But, you know, definitely, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've dropped two points against Buxton. I think that our record against the top teams on that day, Buxton, gave us a lot of respect. And for me, from 15, 20 minutes in, they were playing for time. They were happy with a draw. So that was a, a mass positive for us that we'd set this standard. The strongest team in, your, in the league, if you like. Possibly Shields might argue with that, but it's been proven Buxton were. They were happy with a nil-nil. They were happy to waste time at at Whitby, so that was a that's a real good positive. That's something we've got to make sure we continue. Yeah, definitely something to take into uh, the next campaign, and um, the one that sort of effectively finished the playoffs off in terms of mathematically, it didn't quite. But um, the the Radcliffe game away from home, um, a four three defeat that afternoon. Just talk to us about that game because, I mean, I wasn't at the game myself, so I couldn't I couldn't tell you. How it went, but uh, from the radio, it just it just sounded like one of those disappointing afternoons. No, it was. It was. It was certainly disappointing because um, you know we did the half hard work in the first half, going up the hill, if you like, and um, the, against the wind, we looked we looked in control of the game to a point, but we just we were our own worst enemy. Um, stupid fouls in the wrong areas, um, penalties again, and again the. Defining moments of goals, and you've got to come back from those. But you know, the goals change the game. We 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 went into the second half, and I think we were we were two one down or three one down. I can't remember. But before we knew, it, we were four one down in no time. And and they're confident that every attack that they go on, they look like they're going to score. And it was kind of a bit like a, a Buxton moment, if you like. The the wheels totally fell off from our lads. They couldn't get the composure together. Everything was panic and. We just looked dishevelled and all over the place, but then the game settled a little bit, and um, for for three or four minutes of the of the game, of the last three or four minutes, we we sparked into life, and I, I don't I don't know who scored. I think it was Aze's free kick. Um, obviously four two, and then they could you thought, know, oh, well, it's easy this, and then Harry went down the other end. And truth be told, we could have got a draw from the game, which is absolutely farcical, really, because we only played for five minutes of the second half. Um, but no, disappointing on the day because we pressed the self-destruct button and we were our own worst enemy. And to be fair, it was probably our worst defensive performance of the season, I think. I think as well, that, that day, we build it up that much that people had been bottled it, they don't fancy it. We build it up that much as like, let's, we need to win today. Let's, let's show people we haven't bottled it. And then when we went 2-1 down, Heads went and mentality, unfortunately, on the day wasn't let's, re- let's relax. 
we can get back into this. We've got 35 minutes to go. It was almost like, oh, no, it's, that's it. We've gone now. We've built it up so much they couldn't come back. And if you're going to go back to well, Scarborough and we're saying about how they, they stayed in games, so Wood Scarborough stayed in at 2-1. Nicked an equaliser, gone on to win it. Probably would have done, whereas we, like Nave said before, we knew we were 4-1 down and that's something else that we just weren't good enough at this season. Just when things went wrong, we just let it get us a little bit too much. But again, hopefully next season they'll be they'll be better and stronger than that. I mean, from that point on, it was sort of more a case of trying to finish the season strongly. If something dropped for you, then it dropped for you. But in as it happened, it didn't. Um, and then it was a 2-0 win against Ashton. But then that trip to South Shields showed that Whitby, when they are on the game, can mix it with that sort of elite in the league, if you like. Yeah, the um, Ashton game, I think, again, like Amber, we caught him on a, on a depleted day. Pretty routine, comfortable victory, if I remember right. And stepping up into that Shields game, the, the way the fixtures fell, uh, they needed the win to being with any chance of winning the league. 2,600 fans, was it? A top team who for 25, 30 minutes, it was a good going over and a good examination. Got him down the side. Shane Bland probably had, had and people might disagree for me, he had his best game of the season when it really mattered in front of a big crowd. He made save after save. And then we got back in it with our first bit of play and, and you could see straight away their, their mental weaknesses. So this is how Shields run about here. Full-time pro team, big hitters of the league and, and one goal sent them the wrong way like happened to us a week or two previous. Second half, we we told the lads that's, that's the Shields are. That they'll just continue to do that for the next 45 minutes. So if you, you want to sit and, and take it, We'll do it. Or if you want to get on the front foot and go and really test them, let's see what they've got. And that second 45 minutes, and, and again, Gelly, Gelly hadn't kicked the ball for probably 10, 11 weeks. We were struggling with injuries before the game. We were bare bones, one defender on the pitch. Basically, we asked Gelly if he was fit before the game. He as good as said no, but we said, tough, you play. And he was, and he just drove us on last. 25 minutes, he, he got stronger and stronger. Giles, he came on, they couldn't live with him and, and his, what his done, he, and he punished them. And it was, for us, it was a great afternoon that was probably just one step, not close enough to get us in the playoffs, wasn't it? it was, there was no pressure on us, whereas as they had all the pressure and we we probably put them in a negative frame going into their last game in the playoffs. And, Next season, they'll fancy taking revenge on us, so we've got to be um, we've got to be ready for them, especially away at their place. Yeah, I, I think from our point of view, everything Bully's just said, it's you know the, the pressure was on them, and sometimes that can cook you a little bit, as as we found out ourselves on a few occasions. So um, again, it was one of those for me. It was like going to FC United, a nice arena for the level, great great playing surface for the time of year, big crowd. And, and there was no pressure on us. And, and I, I just had this feeling we were going to play well. But ultimately, you know, like he's just said, Shane Bland was outstanding on the day. Uh, we've spoke about Scarborough staying in games. 
Shane Bland was the reason we stayed in that game. He was he was phenomenal, and he he had no right to save some of those um, save some of those shots that Shields put to him. Um, but he, he kept us going, and and like Bully said, we we got that goal, and then there was a, a little bit of belief. We had them on the rocks, we smelt blood, and and we we just went for it. In theory, we we didn't really have anything to play for. Um, but we didn't rest on our laurels. We didn't go for the draw. We, we we went for the win. We went all out to get the win. And, and luckily, it, it it went that way for us. So, yeah, it derailed Shields' uh, promotion hopes. They were destined for the playoffs after that. But again, so, so proud of the lads. And, you know, they showed exactly what they're about and what they're capable of on the day. The, the key is consistency as we know moving forward now. And the season finished against Gainsborough Trinity, a game that we've... I'm sure that both of you don't want to talk too much about that one, a 2-1 defeat um, in that game, which sort of summed Whitby's season up a little bit. But all in all, you, you look at the season as a whole then, seventh in the league, five points outside the playoffs. I mean, would would you both have been happy with that come the start uh, at the start of the season? Yeah, definitely I would have done, without doubt. Yeah, yeah you, you, you've got to look at the the financial powers of, of what are in the league and, and some of these big clubs that are in the league and you know they're, they're spending absolute fortunes and you know it's there for to see obviously drawing in players from the conference and conference north. It, you know, you'd look at it and, and I think everyone's aspirations are to, to get in the playoffs. But like I say for us, like Lee's just said there, seventh position when you look at what what calibre of football clubs are in this league, it's 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 a massive achievement and, and one we'd certainly be happy with. Great stuff, yeah, and I think a lot of uh, a lot of supporters too. Obviously, respecting the fact that you know Whitby have gone and they've mixed it with the big boys, maybe just fallen short of the playoffs, but a very strong league position, a very strong league season, really, and something to build on. And then that sort of leads us nicely into a few questions going into next season that we've had submitted for this one. And um, Joel Waitman and Andrew Snaith both been in touch. We're just um, both very sort of similar questions. The first thing to mention is. Joel saying a massive well done for the job done this season. Um, but yeah, so both Andrew and Joel asking uh, what the plans are for next season and where you feel that the squad needs improvement. Well, on to that one, Bob. Firstly, cheers Joel for that. Um, glad you enjoyed it. But we we know it, it was proven. We were, we're just a couple, couple of players, a couple of bodies short in positions. Lads have gone back to um, the parent clubs searching professional careers still so we we are a few players short we probably need three or four players that improve the team they've got to come in and, and be better and have better standards or equal will improve than what we've had this season so we'll be patient Nath is more this side of it he's very thorough he'll do serious research on players and two of us will look to get Best value players in for the football club because that's that's another big thing. We we need value. We need players that can play football regular and consistently. Yeah, I think I think the thing with it is with when it when it when the season draws to a close, it it becomes wacky season for a couple of weeks. You know, players wanting to get sorted out, players having a fail, clubs wanting to want to know who's out of contract. And I think last pre-season we were very very patient. And um, we, we got our targets over the line towards the back end, which, you know, we were more than happy. We luckily became off. Um, again, it, 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 it's about not panicking. We've got to be patient. We've got to wait for the right players. 
And when the right players do become available, you know, and there's there's an interest from both sides, it's it's for me and Lee then to obviously approach the board to to see if we can get deals done. So, you know, there will be a lot of research, there'll be a lot of conversations, there'll be a lot of coffee meetings and you know, we've just gotta we've just gotta wait for the right time and we've got to establish what the key areas are for us um and, and where we wanna re- really recruit. And then, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much the strategy moving forward. But the, the key to it is patience. We've got to be patient. And hopefully, we can, uh, we, can, we can get the signings over the line that we want. I think one thing to report is to, they've obviously they've seen Harry, they've seen Malik, who've been released by Middlesbrough, and they've been spoken to. They will always be welcomed back at this football club. But we have to appreciate and, and accept that they're still trying to make their way in their career that them two boys and many boys like them who've just been released from clubs trial around for the back end of this season they'll go and do pre-season at teams and then unfortunately for some of them who were, who were good players as we've seen from the beginning of August wrapping around for a club and that's when them kind of players will come back to us so we we always need to leave a position or two because there will be a a good player or two comes available really late on because fortunately for them, they haven't been able to secure a, a, a full-time contract with the club. In terms of uh, the next question then, um, it goes back to the start of the season, decision made at the start of the season. Uh, season sorry, Alistair Fleck asking, at the start of the campaign, you swap dugouts for whatever reason. Has it been deemed a success? No, what do you reckon? Equal, equal <laughs> points at home and equal points away. So you tell me. Listen, if if putting the dugout somewhere else means we'll win more home games, give us some suggestions. I'll put them wherever you want. But the reason that was done was it's been brought to our attention many times. You're behind the linesman or the lines lady or the assistant referee, whatever you want to call it. They don't have aggressive opposition benches in major pressure on on the assistant referee on that side. And did we get a few decisions on the back of it? Yeah. Does the Position the dugout affects what goes on in the picture of me very little. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those. I, I don't think it's rocket science, but if you if you look at every every football ground, you know, around the country, uh, the majority will have the home dugout behind the assistant referee. Um, and again, these small lines can they be influenced? I don't believe they can be influenced uh, in the main. But certainly from, from our point of view, you know, I'll go back to the Morpeth game last the last season, the curtail season, you know, Morpeth obviously with a aggressive bench, if you like, and there was a lot of decisions going against us and certainly one of them right in front of the dugout and it, you know, it, it went against us. And I, th- I think for me personally, that was the defining point when I kind of said, look, we can't really allow that to happen. It's a bit naive of ourselves to, to allow that to happen. So I'd rather, obviously, our bench behind the, the linesman or the, the lines lady. Because um, like I say, for us, we know they've got a hard game but we don't give them a hard time. Um, I'd certainly prefer us behind the, the assistant referee than a than bench who, who do look to get those advantages and by trying to influence the, uh, the assistant referee. All about the marginal gains. Um, and yeah. Alice has a follow-on question there then. Um, I mean, the first half sort of hypothetical, uh, but the second half, again, is, is one that you'll definitely be able to uh, sort of look into. With the current playing squad, do you think that playing on an artificial pitch would benefit the club and the players? And do you think that teams who play home games on artificial services 
have an advantage. Um, just quickly, I've done the numbers on this uh, as I've been looking through the stats for the season. And Whitby on artificial services this season have played six, won two, drawn one, lost three. So gained seven out of a possible 18 points. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one with the artificial pitch. I mean, Morpeth had a, a good home record. Scarborough definitely had a decent home record. I suppose the home team, it does give them a, a slight advantage. And Buxton, they, they used to play them on those surfaces, they know the bounce, because it, it's not a true bounce like it would be on grass. Um, but for me personally, you know, take away the financial impact of an artificial pitch and what revenue that might bring into a football club. I'm, I'm more of a traditionalist and, and I, I, I like football played on grass, if I'm honest. Um, you know, it, it's just something I've... I've always been kind of used to. And, and when we go to those artificial pitches, there's no doubt about it. You've got to change the way you play. Everything's got to be to feet. Everything's got to be crisp. You can't play that kind of arch ball through through the back line and expect the grass to hold it up a little bit because it's just going to run through. So it is a different game. But for me, I'm not in favour of, of an artificial pitch, if I'm being honest with you. But I do understand the reasons why why clubs are up for it at this level because it, it can be a, a big financial kind of uh, game for the uh, I agree with Nave totally. You can't be turning up at a ground and seeing a, a perfect grass pitch. You turn up and you say, how good does a pitch look? Do you ever do that when you turn up at a 4G? You turn up thinking a 4G pitch today. But on the flip side of it for Alistair, we, the financial side is a bit huge for the clubs that get use out of them every night, every day. Fortunately, we, it's been looked into at our level for, at Whitby and it, you're looking at almost half a million pounds and there would be no funding available because the town's so small, there's already a couple in the town that have been funded, so there would be nothing given to us to to enable us to put one in. So for me and Nerf, it's a, it's a grass pitch for the for the future at the, the tow bar. Sounds good to me. I must admit, I'm a traditionalist as well, so uh, I can't complain at that one myself. Um, and I was also asking, this one's more for you, Bully. Uh, any chance of him winning the weekly draw anytime soon? But I keep asking <laughs> you that every week too. Um, Alistair, you're not the only one who's asked me that. <laughs> I don't draw it. I just send the emails out. People need to understand this. It's normally you, Paul. Drawing I was, was going to say, you stitch me up instead, don't you? Yeah, I just send the email out, so um, don't blame me. <laughs> Hey, to be fair to Paul, he has actually drew my name out for second prize, I think. So thanks, Paul. Yeah. I, no worries, Nath. No worries. <laughs> Aim to please. <laughs> um, and Peter Graham's been in touch then with our final sort of question slash comment here. Um, so obviously your thoughts on this one, gents. Uh, he's just said, easier said than done. But if we'd scored 10 more goals and conceded 10 fewer, I reckon we'd have been in the playoffs at least. Injuries and needless suspensions rob us of our best defenders. Fortunately, not Shane Bland. Midfields and defenders need to start scoring more often. The more shots we have, the better chance we have of scoring. Dreadful with penalties, um, not much better with corners, but scored some excellent goals directly from free kicks, although not created many. We're nearly there, but need to hold on to all of our key players and increase the many links in the chain by percentage. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with Pete in an ideal world. You know, um, If we'd have scored 10 more and conceded 10 less, would have probably won the league. Won't be far from winning the league, if I'm honest, in those key areas and those five margins that we were talking about. Um, but no, listen, certainly from a, an attacking perspective, you know, 
we've, we've relied heavily on one man who's been absolutely brilliant for us. Um, 33 goals, it's it's phenomenal. And he's obviously finished the, the league's top scorer in here. So massive well done to him. But you know that the lads, they haven't contributed, you know, what we would have liked in terms of goals, but they're a, a massive part of the reason why he scored the goals that he has. Um, but defensively, again, we've been pretty strong. I think we've, it's a mixed bag, really. We've been very strong defensively. 20 clean sheets, I think it was, Blandy's had, you know, Blandy's got them. He's got a strong back line. He's had lots of different partnerships in front of him. But even Shane Bland's had a, a phenomenal season for us. His handling's been superb. Again, you mentioned about the corners, Pete. I think, you know, you're right. It, it, it's one of those things where I think we, we we should have been a lot better in terms of our our bigger players going forward in Roy, um, uh, Johnny Byrne, uh, Jas and uh, Jamil. Um, we've not got a lot of goals to show up and that's something that me and Bully look at obviously moving into next season. But yeah, there's, I think it's a real mixed bag uh, from us. But, you know, I think one of the, the, the big reasons we've, we've obviously finished where we are is obviously because of uh, Jacob Hazel. Yeah, getting on to the goal scores, I think any team who had the numbers that Hayes got can almost become a bit lazy, if you like, thinking it's all right because Hazel scored. As it became evident last probably third of the season that if Hayes didn't score, not much was happening at I think they did start to take it on board and, and appreciated they needed to chip in more. We, we did see a lot more aggression, if you like, in the final third. I think Hawks, he got a couple of goals. Centre-arse nicked a couple from set pieces. But, yeah, definitely all over the pitch. I mean, we have to chip in with a few more goals. Unless you're Harry Kane, I don't think you're knocking in or Ronaldo them 30-odd goals every season. But like Nair said, an unbelievable achievement from Hayes and congratulations to him and, and the lads who put a few on the plate for him as well and he's pulled a few worldies out but he still needs the other 10 to score them 30 odd goals as well Gents that's all that remains to be asked this evening so uh, all that remains to be said is thank you very much Nathan Haslam and Lee Bullock for joining me on the podcast this evening Cheers Paul, Cheers, Paul. Thank you very much